So we open up the word this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. Any elementary kids are invited at this time if they want to gather out in the foyer for the beginning of uh, children's worship. They're welcome to do so. Of course, kids are always welcome to stay in here or to participate in children's worship. Mom, dad, grandparents, we leave that uh, decision up to to you. But we're in Matthew's gospel this morning, Matthew chapter 7, for um, uh, our time together in the Word. And and a a thanks to to James Carr for uh, leading us in worship this morning in David's absence, as David is out and with family today. And so, James, thank you for using your gifts and serving the body of Christ in that way. But we're in Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at the end of chapter 7, verses 28 uh, and 29 today, doing something a little bit uh, different today and really throughout the month of, of January. We've been walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount together, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And sequentially, uh, today we, we would be in chapter 7, the beginning of, of chapter 7, and we're going to come back uh, to that, we're not going to uh, we're not going to neglect it or ignore it. We're going to come back to uh, all of chapter seven, uh, but for the month of January, taking a step back and considering the themes of the sermon uh, and the themes of Jesus's ministry uh, and charge for the church, uh, focusing in on some key themes throughout the month. And today, uh, we want to uh, consider what it means to follow uh, the King. And who the king is. So a series called Kingdom People. What does it mean to be, to be kingdom people? To be kingdom minded? And to begin with, if we're going to be kingdom people, we need to know the king. We need to know who he is. Who it is that we serve. Uh, and what it means to submit to him and to, to follow after, uh, him. Uh, a key theme of the Sermon on the Mount is righteousness and surpassing righteousness. And so as we've been studying this portion of the Bible, we, we've heard Jesus say, uh, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so as we think about what it means to be kingdom people, we want to think about what it means to exemplify the kind of righteousness uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, let's consider the response of the people to Jesus and then a right response to who he is. So as you find your place uh, in Matthew chapter 7, let me invite all who are able. Would you join me standing for the reading of, of God's word? Verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Would you pause with me for prayer? Father, we thank you for being a God who speaks. Oh God, we thank you for these words of, of Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we thank you for uh, the word of, uh, of Scripture. Father, we pray that you would instruct us through it now. Spirit, speak to us now that we might rightly understand who Christ is and respond appropriately. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, here we are. It's it's early January, and our December was uh, full of of Christmas celebrations, right? And and rightly so, celebrating the birth of uh, of Jesus Christ. 
And Matthew, the, the writer of this account, the writer of, of this gospel, 28 chapters, is uh, intent on helping us as his readers uh, not miss the significance of, of Christ's coming. Uh, this guy, Matthew, wants his readers to know who Jesus is and why he's come. Maybe we should pause for a moment and consider who, who Matthew is. Who, who is Matthew? Who was Matthew? Well, Matthew was uh, a tax collector, a Jewish tax collector turned follower of Jesus, also known as, as Levi. And in that day, in Jesus' day, uh, Jews hated tax collectors because tax collectors cooperated with the Roman occupiers of Israel. But this tax collector, Matthew, had witnessed the authoritative teaching of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus, and he decided to join Jesus to follow after him, learning from him. And so Matthew noticed, like the crowds, he he noticed that Jesus possessed something different, that he possessed an authority. And so Jesus could say things like, What we saw him say in chapter 5, verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, a reference to the Old Testament, the scriptures that preceded him. Don't think that I've come to do away with these things. Uh, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the scriptures. And Jesus would also say over the course of chapter 5, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, he would say things like, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, uh, do this or don't do this. You, you've been taught this, but I tell you, emphasizing his own position and his authority. You see, as Matthew learned at the feet of Jesus, he began to believe that this is the one, that Jesus is the one of whom the prophets foretold. That this is a man like no other man, that this is the long-awaited descendant of the great King David, who God had promised would reestablish the Davidic kingdom and rescue Abraham's descendants. And so, backing up to the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Matthew begins his writing this way. In chapter 1, verse 1, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, Matthew's writing, and right from the outset, he he doesn't leave us waiting. Uh, He doesn't leave us wondering. He he doesn't leave us guessing who's this Jesus character. Like, there's no literary suspense. Uh, For for Matthew, there's no hiding behind a gentle agenda. Like, he puts all his theological cards on the table, clearly stating that Jesus is the Messiah promised by God. Jesus is the Messiah promised by God. This morning we're focusing in on not just chapter 7 verses 28 and 29, but scanning out just a bit, thinking about from, from Matthew's perspective, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the Messiah promised by God. Matthew's especially interested in depicting Jesus as the very one who fulfills the prophecies in the Old Testament about a coming Messiah. He writes primarily with, with Jews in mind who, who are familiar with these things, who are familiar with an expectation of, of, of a coming one, a Messiah, a Savior, 
an anointed one who, who would do great things and who would deliver God's people, who would rescue God's people. Some of you looked at uh, John chapter 4 this morning and Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman who, who was familiar with these things, who was waiting and anticipating the Messiah's arrival. And of course, Jesus then tells her, I am and he, Matthew is quite clear that Jesus is the Messiah promised by God. You know, the other day, just a few mornings ago, there was a bit of a crisis um, at my house, not with anybody else in the house, but internally with, with me because something I was used to was suddenly not available, uh, and that was coffee. Uh, like if, if you drink, co- our coffee maker was out of commission uh, temporarily, and if you're like me and you drink coffee uh, first thing every morning, that, that's a bit of a, a personal crisis. How many, how many of you drink coffee like consistently? Well, a good number of you. Uh, how many of you uh, don't, but you, you, you live with somebody who does and, and you know how to fix it? All right, that's a few of you. All right. How, how many of you um, don't, you don't care anything about coffee, you don't want anything to do with it? All right, that's... Right, so this is a mix of folks. Well, um, the other day, in the absence of coffee, I went through a a local drive-through, a brand new uh, little uh, restaurant in our community known as Sonic. Right, Uh, thinking I I got I got to get a cup of coffee, and the kind young lady that uh, fixed my cup of coffee was, I think, in that third category of folks. That I mentioned just a moment ago, she fixed she fixed a great cup of coffee, but I had requested, not knowing what the coffee would be like, I'll take a, a cup of coffee and a, a little bit of cream, a little bit of sugar. And so then we got to the window, and the response was, uh, we, we've got this stuff called half and half. Is that what you... Yes, that's great. I'll take it. And so then look in the bag, and there's like eight packs of sugar, <laughs> six or eight cups of creamer. Thinking, okay, this will work. Um, she... she perhaps wasn't familiar with coffee drinkers or had not consumed it all that much herself. You see, Matthew's writing to an audience uh, who he's confident is going to be familiar with the lingo, familiar with the prophecies, the anticipation concerning a a coming one, a Messiah, a, a Savior. And so he writes with those things in mind, driving home that truth. He writes to people who were anticipating the coming of a Messiah. Messiah or Christ means anointed one. And through the scriptures, God foretold of one who would rule God's people with righteousness. And so from the beginning, Matthew's saying, Jesus is that one. He's saying, don't miss it. Jesus is the one on whom you've been waiting. This is why he begins with a genealogy. He wants his readers to know the significance of Jesus's lineage. For those scriptures made predictions about a king from David's line whose kingdom would never end. He would be the one who would save God's people. And Matthew doesn't want us to miss this. He wants us to know with absolute certainty That Jesus is the Savior sent from God. Jesus is the Savior sent from God. Who who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the Messiah promised by God, and He is the Savior sent from God. I I like 
the, the heading on the note section in the ESV study Bible of this particular portion of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, it reads this way. It says, uh, the arrival in history of Jesus the Messiah. The arrival in history of, of Jesus the Messiah. In other words, this is who he is. This is when he came. He came in history. This is how he came, and this is why he came. And after providing his heritage, Matthew then goes on to record how Christ came. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and following. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus was a a common name in that day, the Greek form of Joshua, but its significance is in its meaning. Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. Church, the Lord is a saving God, a rescuing God. And he has sent Jesus to save his people from their sins. That's why he came, sent from God to be our savior, but not just sent from God. Matthew would go on to say all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew tells us which means God with us. By the way, that, that line or some version of it, this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet is used six times by Matthew in the first four chapters. He wants us to know that what is happening in Jesus is the fulfillment of what has already been declared by God through his, his servants, through his prophets before his arrival. And so before we ever get to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, where the crowds are amazed at this teacher wondering, who's this Jesus from Nazareth? Matthew makes quite clear that he's the one. He's the one in whom the hopes of the Old Testament find their fulfillment. He is God with us. Jesus is God with us. He is God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And Matthew states that Jesus' birth is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy concerning the birth of a son who would be called Emmanuel. Jesus is his name, stating what he does. For in him the Lord will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel is his title, stating who he is. He is God with us. Jesus is the fullness of God and human flesh. He's fully human, born of a woman, yet fully divine, conceived from the Holy Spirit. The the crowds are right to notice his authority, something Matthew will state again and again. He'll note again and again the the crowd's response, their amazement at Jesus' 
power and his authority. One example comes in chapter 13, verse 54. Coming to his hometown, Jesus began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom? These miraculous powers, they asked. Noting that there's something different about this man. But then concluding, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? In other words, they noted his humanity, his humble origins, failing to see his divine authority, missing that this man is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And as God in the flesh, Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. He's the king of God's kingdom. Matthew later tells us that Passover pilgrims welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem with palm branches. We know that story, ready to rally behind him as their king. And when the religious leaders convinced Pilate to crucify him, the Roman soldiers put put a sign above him on the cross that says, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. They didn't know it, but they were right. Because Christ is king. But the Jewish commoners and the Roman soldiers failed to understand just what kind of king he would be. He's no ordinary king. He's the eternal king of all kings, the one who has and does and who will reign forever on heaven's throne. Friends, he's the one who is the full and far fulfillment of the Lord's word to the great King David, to the prophet Nathan, recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 7. When your days are over, David, and you rest when you die, when you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. The Lord goes on to say, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. A prophecy that's partially fulfilled in David's son Solomon, but fully established in Jesus, the king whose throne lasts forever. Oh, friends, Matthew doesn't want us to miss this Jesus, doesn't want us to miss who he is. Jesus is the Messiah promised by God. He's the Savior sent from God. He is God with us, and He's the King of God's everlasting kingdom. So put your faith in Christ the King. What does it mean to be a kingdom person? What does it mean to be kingdom people? It certainly means that we begin by bowing before the King, that we put our faith in Him. We trust that He is who He says He is. The Word says that He is, that He is the King of God's kingdom, the right response to Jesus is faith, meaning belief and trust in him. It's acknowledging that that he is who the Bible declares him to be and trusting that he has come to save you from your sins and to grant you eternal peace with God. And it's one thing to be amazed by him. It's another thing to put your faith in him. Matthew says when the 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They couldn't believe it. Impressed by it. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Friends, that's a start. To recognize something significant, an amazing teacher, a miracle worker, a powerful prophet. But such a conclusion, such a response isn't enough. Noticing Jesus won't save you. Astonishment at Christ won't reconcile you to God. It won't get you into his Kingdom. No, kingdom people submit their lives to Christ the King. Kingdom people submit their lives. They submit themselves. They bow before the King. They follow the King. They submit their lives to Christ the King. Have you submitted your life to Jesus, the King of all kings? Do you believe in Him? Are you a disciple who believes And who follows Christ or are you simply part of the crowd impressed by his courage? Maybe even moved by his kindness or touched by his crucifixion. Friend, put your faith, all of it, in Jesus, the promised Messiah, the Savior of sinners, the fullness of God in human flesh, the King of God's everlasting kingdom. Put your faith in him and then spend your life following him. Spend your life following Christ the King. Follow Christ the King. You know, sometimes we want Jesus to be our Savior, but not our King. Sure, I'll I'll take God's grace, his unmerited favor that provides full forgiveness, but I'd like to keep living my own way. Setting my own standards, calling my own shots, filling my own schedule. But, friends, that's not biblical faith. The kind that calls for both head and heart. The kind that declares Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And so, friend, is he your Lord and Savior? Have you submitted your heart to him? Have you bowed your life before Him? Are you trusting in Him? Do you desire to follow after Him? Oh, church, may His Spirit so touch us with His loving character and His saving grace that we invite Him to occupy first place in our lives. Before comforts and riches, before politics and preferences, before football and travel ball, before everything, because we've tasted and seen His goodness and we long to know and to follow and to be with Him. Well, friends, it's good news for those with faith in Him. It's good news for those who, who know and who follow and who Long to be with him for Jesus is with his followers now and forever. He is with us now and forever. Matthew doesn't want us to miss this. Don't 
miss this. Jesus is no ordinary man. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is God with us. He is God made known. He is the God-man. But Matthew wants us to know that this Jesus uh, hasn't just come to us in history, but through his spirit, he remains with us for eternity. And so he ends his gospel stating the same truth, that Christ is with his people, that he is with us. You're familiar with this text, the Great Commission. Jesus came to his disciples, resurrected Christ. He came to his followers and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the king, right? He is Emmanuel. He holds all authority in his hands. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go tell other people about me near and far that they may come to know to know me, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And listen to how Matthew ends his gospel. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, Jesus is with his followers. He's with his followers right now. He is with his people now and forever. But right now, our experience of him, though the good, the glorious, isn't what it will one day be. For now, we see only a reflection. Then we shall see face to face, Paul says. Paul couldn't wait to be with Jesus. He, He couldn't wait to be in the presence of his Savior, unhindered by sin. And one of the evidences of our faith in Christ is our longing to be with Christ. Friend, do you long to be with Christ? Do you long to see him face to face, to enjoy his company with all of God's people, to truly commune with the king of all kings who made, sustained, and who saves us? So, church, one day it's going to happen. The glorious king's going to come back for his people, and we will be together with him. So, friend, put your faith in Christ the king. Spend your life following Christ the king and long for the return of Christ the King. Long for the return of Christ the King. Matthew's laser focused on helping us see that Jesus proves God's faithfulness. That Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises that through the prophets, God announced the Savior's coming and he came, just as he said he would. And if the scriptures were right the first time around, surely they're also right about his return. And John helps us, the Spirit, through John, the disciple, the evangelist, the apostle, helps us think about what it's going to be like when Christ returns. What it's going to be like to be with him in his presence for all of eternity. John sees a vision recorded in Revelation about that future time in the presence of God, with the people of God, eternally dwelling with God. And he says, I did not see a temple in the city, in God's city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. He says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. 
He says, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. Blind, no danger, no harm. The, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So who are kingdom people? Who are those who will forever dwell in the city of the king in the presence of God? Who are these folks? They are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So friend, is your name in the book? Is your name recorded in Christ's book? The Lamb's book. The book that recounts the names of all with faith in Christ the King. The King who came to be the Lamb. The Lamb whose presence will forever light up the city. Friend, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? If not, turn to the Lamb today. Put your faith in Christ, who not only is King of all kings, but He is the perfect, spotless, sacrificial Lamb who took on human flesh and lived the only perfect life so that He could, in God's perfect plan, take our guilt upon Himself and lay down his life as a sacrifice of atonement so that all who look to him could be forgiven and at peace with God. Put your faith in the Lamb. Oh God, help us to put our faith in, in Christ. God, help us to see and to notice and to believe that Jesus is the Messiah promised and sent by you, that He is our Savior, that He is the only Savior who can take away our sins, and that He is God with us, the eternal King of your everlasting kingdom. And Lord, help us to put our faith in Him. God, lead us to believe. Lead us to confess our sins and trust in Jesus, to acknowledge that Jesus is Savior and that he is Lord, and to follow after him. God, help us to be kingdom people who know and follow you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.